Welcome to Caregiving Club On Air. This podcast is dedicated to the millions of family caregivers who want wellness tips and self-care solutions, who seek expert advice, and who want news about healthy aging and how to create well-home design in our forever homes. I'm Sherry Snelling, a corporate gerontologist, author, and educator, a TV interviewer, host, and news commentator. I'm joining you from Southern California, where our interviews and news take us all across the country to explore the many ways to help you on your caregiving journey and to lift you up here at Caregiving Club On Air. Welcome to Caregiving Club On Air and our December holiday episode where we're going to focus on the latest trends in age tech products, We're going to take a look at the latest news in sleep science. We also have a tribute to the late Rosalind Carter. We're going to give you some highlights from our third annual holiday gift guide. And we're going to end the episode with the life lessons learned from George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. I'm Sherry Snelling, your host, and we have a terrific guest for this episode. I was so thrilled to have Steve Ewell, who is the Executive Director of the Consumer Technology Association Foundation, which is mission is to bring technology to older adults and people with disabilities to help them enhance their lives. And, you know, Steve's uh, organization is very closely affiliated with that big, huge consumer electronics show that happens in January in Las Vegas every year. So he's here to give us a little bit of insight, maybe a sneak peek on some of the trends that we're going to be seeing for next year in age tech products that really help us live longer, healthier, and happier lives. So we're thrilled to have Steve here. Now on our caregiver wellness news, we're going to dive into, first of all, that tribute to the former first lady, Rosalind Carter. We'll talk a little bit about that. Also the latest in sleep science. There were some studies that just came out. We know during the holidays, a lot of us don't get as much sleep as we need. So we're going to touch upon that. And then in our welcome design news, we're going to talk a little bit about technology in the home and how to help our older adults adopt some of these technologies that they're really interested in. And also looking at how do we harness the four hormones that I talk about in my new book, Me Time Monday, The Weekly Wellness Plan to Find Balance and Joy for a Busy Life. These four feel-good hormones have a lot to do with our environment and our home. So as we're gathering for the holidays, I'm going to share a little bit about that with you. And of course, we end our episode as always with our Me Time Monday wellness hack, which is going to be on the life lessons of George Bailey from It's a Wonderful life, which happens to be the last chapter in my new book. So with that, let's take a look at Caregiver Wellness News. So for Caregiver Wellness News, I wanted to first start with a tribute to the former First Lady, Rosalind Carter, who we recently lost on November 19th at the age of 96. She lived a very long and wonderful life, but more than that, He really was a pioneer in caregiving. Those of us who work in the caregiving world recognize her being the first national figure really to not only identify family caregivers as a special population, a special group doing very special needed activities to care for older loved ones and those who had you know, disabilities, but she also was the first to really recognize caregiver burnout and talk about things like self-care and also mental health. 
and the impact of mental health to families, and also the emotional and mental health impact of caregivers who are caring for someone where, you know, we know that there are a lot of challenges there with emotional health and mental health. And so we really recognize her contributions. She remained a champion and advocate on the national, actually the global stage for caregivers all the way up until the end of her life. And I was really honored. I I wrote a tribute article for PBS Next Avenue. I'm going to have a link to that on the episode guide page where I talked to some other national figures who are leading national caregiving organizations who gave me her their thoughts on her legacy. And then I also shared a personal story because when I wrote my first book, A Cast of Caregivers, 10 years ago, I reached out to Mrs. Carter, knowing that she was, again, this kind of hero, if you will, in caregiving. And it was a moonshot, you know, for me, I thought, I'm never going to get this interview, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to reach out. And graciously, she accepted and gave me a wonderful interview. And then I interviewed her several times throughout the years. But she, you know, really recognized that there were people who had, you know, a lot of influence, a lot of followers. I certainly didn't at that time, but also those of us who were just in the trenches trying to bring good news to family caregivers. And particularly because of my focus on self-care, I think she's very interested in the book I was writing. So I, I can't thank her enough for not only bolstering you know, my feeling about, hey, I can do this and and look at I've got a national figure paying attention, but also the gracious time that she gave me, which was really a gift. And she also did a testimonial for the book as well, which is just absolutely wonderful. And one of the things I wanted to share with you that I also put in the article, and, and I'll also share my personal blog that I have on my Caregiving Club website with you as well, that gets a little bit more into our personal relationship. But when I asked her about how she finds her me time, Her answer was, oh, that's easy. It's fly fishing, which she absolutely adored. And of course, she did a lot of fly fishing trips with her husband, former president, Jimmy Carter, although she would go on her own if he wasn't available. But, you know, it kind of brought back when when I learned of her passing, it brought back not only that memory that she shared with me, but also memories of being a kid when my my late stepdad taught me and my brother how to fish. And it was just such a serene, beautiful, calming Thing to be out in nature and to kind of just listen to the quiet and listen to the ripples of the river and the the you know the fish that you might catch and the exciting you know cheers of the, you know these probably little fish I don't know that we ever got any big ones but you know fishing is such it's one of those things that we can do it takes us out into nature it is calming and serene I know it takes it takes gear it takes time and I don't get fishing as much at all in the, in, you know, recent years, but I was thinking about it and I thought I need to get back to that because those are the types of things we do need to bring into our lives to help with that balance and help with that joy. And I was just so one, it was so wonderful. She shared that with me and I just really, really appreciate it. So this is my shout out and tribute to Mrs. Carter. I know she's up there right now, fly fishing, waiting, waiting for Jimmy to join her. And, you know, there's a great quote that I also talk about where they say, people who go to church think about fishing, people who go fishing think about God. And they're very much, I think, connected. So anyway, we just wanted to commemorate Mrs. Carter's contributions 
to caregivers worldwide, and especially here in the U.S. and her leadership that continues, by the way, at the Rosalind Carter Institute for Caregivers, which she founded, the first institute that was founded at a university, which was in Georgia. And they just do some wonderful work, research, advocacy, education, a lot of work with employers. And Dr. Jennifer Olson was one of the people I interviewed for that article for PBS. So a shout out to Mrs. Carter. With that, let's kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about some of the latest news in sleep science that I mentioned. You know, during the holidays, um, I think it's, you know, we've got so much going on, right? There's a lot of social activities or a lot of, you know, activities at work, perhaps. We're trying to shop. We're trying to get around and do all the things that we need to do. You know, in some ways, it's supposed to be a very joyful season, which, by the way, for those of you watching us on YouTube, I've got my joy sweater on right now, which is from my favorite sweater company, Wooden Ships. And people, by the way, uh, which is a company, by the way, in Brazil, beautiful sweaters that they make, which are warm and cozy, but also like breathable. And I tend to get hot and I live in California, so we don't need the super, super warm sweaters. But, and this is a little detour for you, but I've mentioned Wooden Ships before in the episode where I talked about coastal grandmother trends and people said to me, oh, you know, do you have affiliate marketing agreement with them. And I, I said, no, I don't. I probably should. I need to get a, a free sweater out of all these shout outs I gave them. But I do love their sweaters. I've got the Joy sweater on right now that they just came out with, which I really love. So, but speaking about Joy, you know, this is a season of joy. It's a season of celebration. It's a season of getting together with family and friends and all of those wonderful things that we love to do. But it's also pretty hectic, right? And for family caregivers, it can also be tough because it might you know, bring up memories of maybe a loved one that we've lost or perhaps someone who isn't doing as well, who has either had a diagnosis or who is getting older and we're worried, you know, will will this be the last holiday with them? So it can bring up emotions which are challenging for for family caregivers and not always happy. And so what we want to do is we want to, you know, figure out how do we turn that around? How do we bring you back into balance and see the silver linings and, you know, make it a a more positive outlook during the season? And some of it has to do with sleep. You know, very often when we're irritable, when we're angry, when we're, you know, just feeling overwhelmed and stressed and feeling burnout can be associated with our sleep. And I have a whole chapter, by the way, in my book, Me Time Monday, that talks about sleep. It's really about when you go to sleep, when your body goes to sleep, your brain goes to work. So it's all about brain health and how that, you know, is impacted by good sleep. But the two recent studies that came out I wanted to share with you, I thought were really interesting. So one is that we always say get seven to eight hours of good restorative sleep. And and people forget that word restorative, right? They're like, okay, seven to eight hours of sleep is all I need to do. But the study that just came out talks about how it's also really important to get sleep regularity. And really what that is, is that's maintaining your circadian rhythms of your sleep awake cycles during the day and not deviating from those. So for instance, getting up at the same time, going to bed at the same time, regardless of whether it's the weekend or uh, you're on holiday somewhere, you want to maintain your sleep cycles because that is really what helps you get into those. You know, I talk in the book about the cycles that we need to really 
cleanse the toxins from the brain, do the cellular repair throughout the body that's needed during the night. If you're waking up several times or maybe you're disrupting that that pattern of sleep and you're not getting into the good rest of sleep because your body's all confused. It's like, wait a minute, last few days we've been doing these hours. Now you're doing these hours on me. You know, it becomes really, really important that we maintain those. And so what this study showed is, yes, we're still going to say number one is seven, eight hours of good restorative sleep. However, it has to be restorative. You have to get into the cycles. If you're awakening a lot, it's not good. It's better to get six hours and stay into that consistent cycle. Although we don't recommend you decreasing your hours, but you you, you get what I'm telling you. It's, it's the combination of the hours plus the regularity. Now, something else that I found really interesting, and I'm going to go to my notes here. Um, it was another sleep study that was talking about really kind of almost aromatherapy at night. Now, there's been a lot of studies that have been done on olfactory sense of smell and how we can use scents during the day to maybe aid our sleep. We talk a little bit about lavender or things like chamomile tea that are supposed to help you get into sleep. But here's something interesting. This study found that it's actually more impactful to be breathing in scents during the night while you're sleeping. Now, certainly you're going to be breathing them in consistently for hopefully eight hours that we just talked about of sleep. That's a longer time than spending a few minutes or spraying your pillow, you know, before you get to bed and then smelling the lavender for just a few minutes before you fall off into your deep sleep. So it was a very interesting study. And one of the things that they found is that it helps people not only get to sleep faster, but stay into that deep sleep. Now, the two scents that this study used were rose, so rose oil, and also eucalyptus. We know, for instance, like rose oil boosts your hormones that we call endorphins, which are your pain relief hormones. So that makes sense. Any kind of pains or aches that you've had during the day, that rose scent is going to help boost that endorphin release during your sleep cycles. The eucalyptus is actually more of a calming effect. So it helps with stress. It helps to get your body more calm. So that would make sense that they didn't study other scents. So we don't know if other scents have the same kind of effect, but I thought it was really interesting. And I think what you're going to wind up seeing now is in the wellness um, industry, there's going to be a lot more of these kind of um, safe, maybe diffusers and things that you can use at night. But I did want to share that with you. You may want to even try out your own study um, during the night using these scents um, and, and see See if it works for you to help you get some better sleep during this hectic holiday season. And the thing I wanted to just do a shout out before we go to our wonderful interview with Steve Yule is, of course, we have our third annual holiday gift guide. That's both a written gift guide that you can read on our blog. We'll have a link to that on the episode guide page here for this episode. We'll also do a video version, which we started doing last year. People really like that. So we're going to keep that going. So there'll also be a video version that you can link to and, and watch off the episode guide page, but we'll also have it on our YouTube channel. So we'll have have all those ways that you can watch that. And there, you know, we we have three different areas we focus in. We focus in caregiver wellness and self-care type products. We also do great products for older adults and then we do well home design. So you're going to learn a lot about all of those things and our recommendations. And you can go back and check out our second, our first and second annual holiday gift guides because the products are still out there and, the, and we still love them, but we try to bring you new things every year. So you can check that out. And so with that, I am going to go into this wonderful interview with Steve Yule of the Consumer Technology Association Foundation. 
He is really the guru of age tech and what are the trends out there. And maybe he'll give us a little bit of a sneak peek of what we're going to hear about coming out of CES coming up next month in January. As I mentioned, happens in Las Vegas every year. It's the biggest consumer electronics show in the world. And it's where everybody debuts all of their latest, greatest gadgets, services, products, and everything consumer technology. So with that, here's my interview with Steve Ewell. So I am really thrilled to have our guest on this episode, Steve Ewell, who's the executive director of the Consumer Technology Association Foundation, which is related to that big, huge CES show that we all hear about in Las Vegas every January. And Steve is going to share with us a lot of insights into the trends in age tech. What are some of the products and things that are out there that are going to help us be better caregivers and care for our older loved ones? So Steve, welcome to Caregiving Club on Air. Well, thank you, Sherry. I'm really thrilled to be here and excited to have this conversation. There's a lot of exciting things going on and look forward to talking about it. Well, you're the person we wanted to talk to. You're the guru on what's going on out there, the trends that we're seeing. And, you know, this episode is going to play right before the holidays. So maybe even we'll give our listeners some ideas for some holiday gifts out there that they can get. So, you know, our first question for all of our guests, Steve, is where are we talking to you from today? So I'm in Leesburg, Virginia, which is just a little ways west of Washington, D.C., and uh, thrilled to to be here. Yeah, right outside the seat of power there in Washington. <laughs> well, you know, and as I mentioned, the in coming up in another month in January, right in the start of the new year, we have, I think most people have heard of the Consumer Electronics Show that happens in Vegas every year. There's lots of news coverage on it and all that. Tell us a little bit about your organization, the CTA Foundation, and how you're affiliated with CES. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, it's a little bit of an alphabet soup with CTA, CTA Foundation, CES, but uh, we're all uh, tied together. So the piece that I run is the Consumer Technology Association Foundation, which is the charitable foundation, really focused on, on giving back. But we're tied to the Consumer Technology Association, which is the trade association. They represent about 1,300 technology companies. That's everything from the big global brands that everyone recognizes, the Sony, Samsung's, Apple's, LG's of the world, to actually about 80% of their members are small businesses. So that could be a startup uh, creating a, a new technology. That could be the installer who comes and puts in your you know home theater system or makes your home a little bit more age-friendly. So it's a wide range of different technology companies that come together and work with the association. And then the association runs the trade show, CES, which is, it, it is a trade show. So it is focused on people in the industry and the media that covers the industry. But we'll have, we expect this year, about 130,000 people coming together in Las Vegas with technology ranging from your TVs and phones and other devices along those lines to digital health has been growing uh, massively over the years. Vehicle technology. We're now one of the largest vehicle shows in the the world, uh, in addition to being a broader uh, consumer technology show. And really, you name a piece of technology and it seems to have a presence out there at CES, but that's the opportunity for us to bring people together from around the industry to talk about what's working, what's not working, what are some of the things that we're going to be seeing coming out in the the next year or next couple years and and yeah it's really just an, it, to me it's kind of the 
the opportunity to see such amazing innovation and, and work going on. And then, yeah, our foundation, we launched just about 11 years ago as a way to give back on behalf of the industry. And when we did it, we looked around at where to, to focus and have the, the biggest impact. And we realized there were two growing demographics that we thought that technology could make a really significant difference with, but they were often overlooked in this area. And that was older adults and people with disabilities. So we've, over the last 11 years, spent a lot of time and effort uh, focusing on how can technology help improve the lives of older adults and people with disabilities. We do that through three kind of core pillar activities of our, our work. You know, one is convening. It's bringing those key people together to have the discussions about what's working, what's not. And that's where, you know, I know I've had some uh, opportunities to engage with you over the, the years, but really finding all those key stakeholders out there to, to build those conversations. We do uh, a lot of work around innovation. And I know I'll have a chance to talk a little bit more about some of the things coming up at CES, but things like our pitch competition, and we do a big Eureka Park challenge and other things along those lines, you know, recognizing the real innovations that are, you know, the companies that are really doing work in this space well, but also being that little bit of a carrot to draw the other companies in to recognize the, the opportunities that they have for addressing these populations. And the last is we do fund, we are a charitable foundation that does fund nonprofits all over the country that are using technology to serve these populations. So there's a little bit of work uh, with some great nonprofits all over the country. Well, that is, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on there, obviously, and a lot of work that I know that you're heading up for CTA along with CES. And Steve, I don't know if we've talked about this, but way back, probably I would say at least 12 years ago, I actually did a little mini conference within CES called the Silver Summit. I think that got wrapped into the digital health. And really, you guys have been at the intersection of technology and health for a long time now. And you've been identifying these the needs of older adults and what's out there. I'm fascinated, by the way, with the automakers. I was just reading some wellness reports, and one was talking about using aromatherapy to help babies actually to sleep better in the back seat. And I was thinking that. That's going to be interesting, putting the babies to sleep, but not mom, the driver, I guess. But anyway, getting into some of the things that, you know, we're seeing now, but also maybe are trending for the future. Maybe they're getting more popular because we do have older adults really embracing more technology now. You know, that myth the old, that older adults want to embrace technology, I think, has been busted. As long as we can give good training, we know that older adults who aren't digital natives will still embrace a lot of this. But tell us tell us kind of some of the things that you're seeing, both from those, those large brands that you were talking about, like Samsung and Apple and others, but also the smaller innovative startup companies. What, what are the trends that you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. And one, I just, before I dive into that, I did want to just acknowledge, yeah, it is amazing what Silver Summit led the groundwork for. It may have been a little bit early on its time, but you know, you, we see so much engagement now around this, and that is based on those early conversations of bringing people together. So yes, while Silver Summit kind of moved into the Digital Health Summit at CES, it really, you know, it lives on through uh, the the work that we're able to to do at CES. So, just want to acknowledge <laughs> yeah, you for glad for to that. know that. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, we're seeing some really incredible trends, and you know, it's interesting to see. You have the you know age tech kind of focused uh, technologies, and those are you know different tablets and devices for social connection, other 
solution sensor systems often for for helping you know caregivers uh, monitor what's going on in the home but i also get really excited about the broader general consumer technologies that really can have an impact for older adults their caregivers and kind of the whole age tech ecosystem and that's you know really to me starts with the smart home system so whether you're using you know Amazon or Google or Apple or, you know, the various different ecosystems, having that kind of smart assistant as the the hub for all of that, being able to, you know, talk to your uh, home and be able to have it adjust based on your needs. So being able to say that one of their names without triggering everyone uh, in your audience's speakers, but, you know, say their name and then adjust the thermostat, say their name and then, you know, adjust the lighting, see who's at the front door. If you have a, a device with a screen, and that's something that we've been seeing increasing the, the smart assistants that have a screen attached to them have been rapidly growing over the, the last couple of years. But it, all of those, they may sound simple, but it really adds to your ability to control your environment and then feel more comfortable in your home. So we're seeing a lot of continued innovation in those spaces. So that is the smart lighting, that is the smart thermostats, that's the smart doorbells, other solutions along those lines. You know, I think we are seeing, you know, everyone wants Rosie the robot to uh, come in and do all their chores for them and everything. Believe me, I can't wait for Rosie the robot. We're not quite there yet, but you know, we are seeing more and more single-use uh, robotics. So those are you know, everything from your robot vacuum cleaners that people have had for for years to seeing, you know, we've seen, you know, window washers and we've seen, you know, others looking at different ways of doing laundry and dishwashing and other things along those lines. So I think we're going to continue to see more innovations in those spaces, as well as robots for more caregiving efforts. We do a contest, I mentioned that we run each year. It's called the Eureka Park Accessibility Contest. So this is something maybe focused a little bit more on the disability side of our mission than our aging mission. But honestly, we see a lot of overlap between the two. Mm. We choose five companies every year and give them a free booth at CES. We give them a little bit of money as well because it costs money to be in uh, Las Vegas for the week. But one of our winners this year is a company out of Colorado called Dreamface that is creating a, a robot called Ryan. And I should remember off the top of my head what Ryan stands for, but I'm not going to be able to do that right now. But uh, it is it's a caregiving robot that can kind of help with various assistance. It can also, you know, be that kind of social connection device, you know, helping people connect uh, with loved ones who are probably all over the world. So we're really excited to see that that robot uh, showcasing itself at uh, CES. But we'll also have another winner's uh, Concha Labs, which has a over-the-counter hearing aid uh, device. We have Glidance, which has a smart cane, almost a robot-style smart cane for the blind and low vision community for, for better navigation. We have a device called OneCourt, which is actually helping blind and low vision follow sports, where you can actually feel where the ball is on a pitch or, or a court or, or whatever uh, sport you're following really incredibly. And then there's a company called VisionAid, which is doing kind of VR-based showcasing different types of vision impairments and, you know, helping people understand, you know, as those tech or as those vision losses advance, what you need to know about the different types of uh, technologies there or how to better adapt to different types of vision loss. So we're really excited to see some of those uh, startup products there on the show floor. And there'll be five of 
over a thousand different startups that we'll have from all over the world. Well, and you you know you mentioned robotics, and I think one of the things that we, you and I both know, obviously, Japan is what we call a super aging country. They're they're ahead of us in terms of having a much older population. They've been in robotics for a long time. I've talked to people like, for instance, at LEQ, who I know has been showcased at CES, and that's a little bit more of a, a companion, but using using artificial intelligence too, as far as the conversations. With older adults. And then I've seen the robotics, which I think are really helpful in the lifting, because, you know, we often see in caregiving, we see like an older wife whose husband, you know, needs some help with transporting in and out of bed and into the bathroom or whatever. And she's really, you know, smaller and lifting him is really tough. So I think there's a lot of great things that we can look forward to. Some people get a little nervous about the robotic, you know, the robots coming into the home, but I think there's definitely some ways that they're going to be able to help us out. And all of those great companies that are working on that are terrific. One of the things that I know that that you and CTA and CES have really been focused on was getting the affordable over-the-counter hearing aids, which I think is called the hearables category now. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? Because a lot of our audience is worried about Alzheimer's. We know that there's a higher risk for dementia and Alzheimer's if you don't address your hearing loss. Just give us a few comments on that. Yeah, this is a an area that I'm really excited for and it's been it's been a, a labor of love for for many years with some of our members with other partners like the Hearing Loss Association and and others but essentially what we were looking at is creating a category of over-the-counter hearing aids which are much more affordable than when you go and get your traditional prescribed uh, hearing aid. So this is something that's now a product. We actually just celebrated one year of these products being on the shelf. And they're they're much more affordable. They tend to be in the couple hundred to, you know, a thousand dollars or so range. So, you know, still not, you know, just like pick it up at the counter as yeah. you're checking out. Better, better than 5,000, right? Which it, is what they were. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that's where we see, and they're really focused on people with moderate to mild hearing loss. So that is someone who you know may not be ready to say, okay, I need to, to embrace, I'm going to be wearing hearing aids for now. But I recognize there's various environments where when I'm in the, the loud restaurant or at a meeting and I can't necessarily hear what other people are saying, you know, this is much easier for people to, to pick up these uh, products and get used to wearing something like this. Because that's one of the big challenges that we still see is it's the stigma of wearing hearing aids. It's interesting, you know, it used to be the stigma of wearing glasses. And now I feel like, you know, people wear glasses just for the fashion of it. Hearing aids have not gone through that process yet. So people still will avoid wearing their hearing aids because they think Honestly, they think it makes them look old. And as much as we in the, the aging space like to say that's not a bad thing, that is still a challenge. So there's a variety of companies that are working on this, everything from kind of, you know, big, big brands that we see out there to some of the small startups, like I said, Contra Labs and, and others like that, that are developing these products. I know retailers are really working hard now on figuring out how to best uh, deliver these products, you know, where, you know, do you go to the pharmacy or do you go to the, you know, the area of the 
store that has like headphones and things like that. So I know there's a lot of work going on around that. But you mentioned the the challenges of people who have hearing loss. Uh, uh, Dr. Frank Lynn up at uh, Johns Hopkins just recently published a, an Achieve study that really showcased the impact on cognition for people who do not address their hearing loss. So this is a critical I- issue. It's something that really can you know, impact so many of us. So making these devices be more affordable, uh, more available. Mm-hmm. And then it just like with glasses, just because you can pick up readers at the drugstore doesn't mean you don't also want to go see an ophthalmologist and get your eyes checked. Same thing here. You should still, you know, this is a chance to kind of get in the door uh, with these devices, but still an opportunity to then go see an audiologist, especially if your hearing loss is continuing to progress. And you may need kind of the full-blown prescription uh, hearing aids. But you know, having that variety of uh, degrees, I think, is really helpful for consumer choice and just getting more people to be comfortable with these types of products. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I do think because of the design now that's so tiny going into your ear, we overcome that, you know, you have the big, I remember my grandfather had the big kind of, we call it the cauliflower ear that he used to use. So there, there isn't as much of that anymore. They're really small devices and very affordable, which is really great. Now, one of the things I know you've been partnering and working closely with ARP for the last many years, and I think they're going to be one of the biggest exhibitors coming up at the upcoming show in January. Tell us, can you give us a little insight as to what, you know, ARP is going to be showcasing or what they're focused on in terms of trends for older adults? Yeah, obviously, whenever you're talking about the aging space, AARP is kind of the the giant in in the world. But it really showcases that the fact that they recognize that CES is the place for them to be to highlight the opportunities for technology to address the needs of their membership. And, you know, they're actually doubling the size of the booth that they had uh, from last year, which was already a, a pretty significant sized booth. And I believe they're bringing out 20 startup companies that their age tech collaborative has been involved in and showcasing them throughout the week. They're also doing a variety of different content. They're sponsoring half day of different sessions as part of kind of the main programming of uh, CES. But then at their booth, they're going to have a a small stage as well, where they're going to do some additional content highlighting different programs that they're running and and other uh, speakers and, and partners at their booth. So I think it's really important for us to showcase the fact that organizations like AARP are at CES and doing this work. And it's an opportunity for us to bring together that, you know, once again, it's bringing together the key stakeholders, bringing, you know, people from all over the technology world together with those over at uh, AARP doing work in the aging space to really address the needs of the people we're trying to serve. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. You know, bridging that gap again between the people who didn't grow up with all this technology. And I I would raise my hand. I'm one of those people. But, you know, but obviously this is part of our life now, right? We have to integrate this. And while it might be a little intimidating at first, you know, as long as you can get somebody to kind of show you, okay, this is how it works or get a little training. I think I've seen a lot of I I worked on a rideshare 
uh, research project at a medical center and ARP Foundation gave us the grant for that. And we had 90-year-olds who wanted to learn the app for Lyft, who is the rideshare partner. So, you know, it's not a matter of age being a barrier anymore, I think, uh, which is really great. What were some of the other trends, you know, other categories? You mentioned the robotics. You mentioned the smart home, which we know is important, the hearables. What about things like wearables and maybe if you can talk a little bit too, because I know a lot of older adults are very concerned about cybersecurity. So, you know, what's happening in that area of keeping ourselves safe in our homes, but also kind of the cybersecurity and financial fraud and scams and some of those things that are going on? Yeah, absolutely. So wearables is absolutely a a big topic area. And that's everything from in kind of more of the fitness, you know, what are the, you know, bands or rings or other devices that you'd be wearing to, you know, track your steps, track, you know, any kind of exercise that you're doing to more kind of med tech style, you know, wearables that you can put on and just, you know, keep track of, have you taken medicine at different times? Are you drinking enough water and, and other kind of bodily characteristics that can be measured through the, these various uh, devices? So definitely in both the fitness and the wellness space, we're seeing a, a growth in wearables. That also kind of leads into the augmented and virtual reality space that we're continuing to see grow the show. And that, you know, that's some gaming and other activities along those lines. But it's interesting to see that as especially with augmented reality where you're not, I mean, you're wearing glasses, but it's not kind of fully immersing you in the virtual environment, you're able to overlay, you know, okay, here's the directions that you need to to go, you know, turn here. And it's not just your your watch or your phone telling you that you might actually see, you know, an arrow right up ahead of you uh, on your glasses. So I know there's a lot of work going into that space that I'm really excited to to see emerge over the, the next few years. You know, digital health as a whole is one of our biggest growing areas. I mean, I think even before the pandemic, it was, but the pandemic certainly drove home the importance of looking at different ways to keep people healthy. And that's everything from, you know, blood glucose monitors and others along those lines. You know, Abbott has been showcasing that at CES, and I know we'll have a a few others with different types of sensors. BioIntelliSense is another one that has done some really incredible work around the the wearable sensor uh, space. And then to the the cybersecurity, uh, there will be a lot of panels and other sessions highlighting cybersecurity. One of the things that uh, CTA has recently done, and I'll admit I can say just enough to get myself in trouble here, but CTA working through our standards body, working through our government affairs team has and working with the FCC primarily has created what they're calling their IoT cyber label, basically. So just like when you go to the grocery store and there's the the label of nutrition on your food, we're looking at creating a label of cybersecurity that can go on any kind of connected IoT style device, Internet of Things uh, devices. This is still in, you know, Anytime you're working with government partners, there's a whole process as far as, you know, getting input and getting approvals. But it's really exciting to see the the embrace. Earlier this year, there was a big event at the White House where they announced this labeling program. So I see that as being really helpful for consumers to have a better understanding of, you know, 
how will these products be updated and and kept uh, secure what you know how does it interface what other types of products does it engage with so i, I think there's going to be some really exciting things happening there and we'll see a lot talked about there uh, at ces I love that. I love the fact that we're going to get some kind of a seal of approval or this is, you know, it's kind of similar to, you know, the whole drug industry, right? I mean, if it's FDA approved, you kind of have that sense of confidence in things, which is really great. You know, you touched upon one of the areas I've been doing a lot of work in is wellness and they're, you know, they're calling it well tech. I think at CES, we call it digital health, but there's also for, for the caregivers, you know, we're talking a lot about what older adults need, but whether you're an active older adult, whether you're a family caregiver, there's this whole wellness category of sleep science and biohacking and, you know, some other things that are out there. Are there any trends that you're seeing in that area? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. The needing to address the needs of caregivers is critical. We are in a situation where there's just not enough caregivers for, you know, the, the aging population. Whether you're talking family caregivers or professional caregivers, both need a lot of assistance. And that's something where we've supported a variety of different, you know, nonprofit senior housing or senior service organizations over the years, adding different types of technologies into their into the homes that can help with monitoring, especially in situations where rather than having to be 24-7, if they can be, you know, have just a little bit of a, a break from time to time can be really critical and helpful to prevent the burnout that uh, otherwise, you know, I'm sure you know all the statistics about especially turnover and uh, professional caregiving uh, situations. So, yeah, so we're seeing a lot of uh, new innovations in this space. And those can be everything from kind of those sensors at homes, uh, at home that can kind of help keep track of, you know, are people eating? Are they, you know, getting up and, you know, moving about the house? Other solutions there. One of the things I find really important there is having also the level of privacy. So it's not just, you know, we're going in and putting cameras everywhere and we're going to know what you're doing 24-7 because you might as well be on a reality TV show. It's really it's finding that level of privacy based on the needs of the individual and their caregivers of having that peace of mind, but also not necessarily overstepping that peace of mind, because you know, that can be a big issue, too, where we see, you know, a caregiver, son or daughter will buy a device and be like, all right, mom or dad, we're putting this up in your home. And, you know, next thing you know, like a week later, no longer works because they unplugged it. They didn't want it around, which, you know. You got to give people. Uh, the... You're describing my situation. <laughs> my mom is older and lives alone. She's still pretty, you know, pretty spry, but I worry about her living alone. And we haven't even gotten as far as putting anything in the house. It's like, nope, you know, don't need to be spied on. So she definitely, yeah, I think that privacy issue, you're right, is is probably a, a big hurdle. And, you know, maybe some of the solutions that don't necessarily take a picture of the homes that we're watching you walk around, you know, in your PJs, but rather just show that there's maybe something wrong with movement or, you know, some of the products out there that just show us that, you know, we expect them to be in the kitchen and they're not and, you know, the sensors are down or whatever it happens to be. Well, we're coming up on time, Steve, and I want to ask you just one more question before we get into, you know, how people can learn more about CTA and what's going on, you we talk about all of these great innovations and uh, yet there are some retailers out there. I know Best Buy, obviously, Best Buy Health is doing a lot of work in this area and some others, but, you know, where do 
consumers and caregivers who are listening really go to find these things? Do they have to go to the individual companies or, you know, what do you see happening in this space in terms of the actual retail environments or online environments that they can purchase? Yeah, it's an interesting question. We've actually been doing some work with CTA has a set of retail members, as well as our smart home division of members over this past year, really working at how do you help you know the retailers better understand the needs of older adults, especially when in many of those retail situations, the people working on the show floor or you know on the floor of the the store turn over fairly regularly. So it, it's hard to say, okay, we're doing a full training on everything you need to know about you know, older adults and, and giving them that information. So what we're we're looking at is ways to develop kind of a I, I like to call it a cheat sheet, but basically kind of a one or two page, you know, bullet point. Here are the main things that you just need to know as you know, someone comes in and mentions that they're looking for products for, for an older adult or an older adult themselves comes in to be able to ask the right questions. And that helps everyone. It helps the consumer be able to find the products that they're looking for. It helps the retailer as far as, you know, being able to make sure they have the right products in stock, but also so they're not dealing with, you know, returns and, and others when uh, if it's not the the right product and same with the the uh, technology company is they don't want those products coming back and and being returned so they want to make sure that they're the right fit for uh, for consumers so we are doing some more work on that space there are some retailers that are really good and and have been working in this space for a, a while you know some of the the really big uh, retailers that uh, that you mentioned and and others uh, but there's also opportunities to engage with you know some of the nonprofit organizations that uh, do technology education We've been working with, you know, OAT. They're now part of AARP, but the classes that they offer, both in person but also online, they can be a good source of, you know, how do you find what are some of the products that are, are working for others. We've done similar work with Oasis, but there and you know, Community Technology Network is another one. There's a variety of different organizations all over the country that are doing some of this uh, tech education, and they can be great resources for someone to go to and say. You know, here's what I'm looking for based on their experiences teaching classes about different types of technology, but also their members are, you know, sharing, uh, you know, this worked really well for me. This really didn't work for me. And so they may be great opportunities to engage with and get a sense of, you know, what might work well everyone's different, especially when you're talking the aging demographic. It is such a diverse population that it's hard to say, you know, okay, you are, you know, 76. And therefore, this product is the device that will work for you. Unfortunately, that would make things a whole lot easier, but that's just not uh, how things work. So it is a little bit of, you know, working with people to uh, find out what their needs are, what their what the value proposition of the technology is. I mean, you were mentioning earlier the stereotype of older adults don't use technology. And what I've found is older adults will use technology if there's a good reason for them to use technology. They won't use it just for the sake of using it. Uh, well, I shouldn't even say that because you know there's really early adopters in the, in the aging population as well. But it's really finding you know what are those challenges that someone's having and what are they trying to solve and then what the products are One other resource I'll say is those installer uh, community, the people who do like, you know, home theater installations and other solutions along those lines, 
have gotten very into smart home, and many of them are getting very into age-friendly smart homes. Most of those businesses are very small businesses. They work in, you know, it's kind of a you know family-run business, maybe a, a few other people working in kind of a smaller geographic region, but they're also, they're geniuses at just figuring out, okay, here's your problem. They know a wide variety of different types of technologies. So, okay, I think if I can plug this piece in with this piece, then we can ultimately find a solution that works for you. So it's worth reaching out to those uh, types of businesses uh, as well, because they may have solutions that they've done with other clients that could work for, for the people you're you're looking at. Well, and I love that you brought up, first of all, the installers. Absolutely. I think that's a great thing for us to think about is making sure whether, it, you know, again, it's a geek squad or home advisor or one of these, you know, groups that come in and, you know, a lot of the organizations that do smart, but I'm so, so glad that you brought up the educational groups like Oats and ARP that are doing this because, um, you know, my wish list is to see in a lot of these retailers, like the Genius Bar at the Apple stores, right, where you can come in and take classes and it's social as well as educational. And I know there's a lot of online platforms like Get Set Up and others that are doing that. But I also like the in-person kind of, you know, bringing them into the bricks and mortar stores. Hopefully we'll keep those around for a while. But thank you for bringing that up because I think that's really great for our family caregivers to to know that these types of classes are out there and you can get your loved one engaged in those. And, you know, um, then they can really become digital experts. So, Steve, it's just been wonderful talking to you. And I thank you so much for your time, you know, during this busy holiday season. And you're even busier than most because you're getting ready for the big show coming up. But where can our listeners find out more about CTA and and CES and, and some of these products and things that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So our websites are probably the best places to go. Uh, so ctafoundation.tech, it's .tech is our foundation. The association is just cta.tech and the show is ces.tech. So, and you can find out all kinds of information on there. And if people have uh, questions, they can. there's a contact form on there as well. So they can reach out through there and happy to see how we can be helpful. Well, great. Well, thanks for being part of our holiday episode. So happy holidays to you and your loved ones and happy new year and have a great CES. <laughs> well, thank you. And same to you and your family. And I look forward to talking again soon. All right. Thanks, Steve. Wasn't that a wonderful conversation with Steve? So many great insights as to what we can use both as caregivers, but also for older adults and particularly in the home and some of the some of the other things that he shared with us are so wonderful. So I really appreciate that interview. Now let's go into our well home design news. And, you know, what I find really interesting that, you know, we kind of touched upon is that there's this myth, of course, with older adults, they don't embrace technology. That's becoming less so now that we you know, have people who are in their 70s who have been using technology throughout work. They're a little bit more savvy about texting and email and some other things, as well as getting onto the internet. But, you know, doing things like streaming services and how to set up identity fraud and, and scammer blocks and, and some of these other things that are really critical and important, or how to, you know, set up a smart home, all requires a little bit of help and a little bit of training. And I think that's where that this is something that I saw. So I was involved in a research project actually at Keck Medicine of USC a few years ago when I worked there and worked with a wonderful Dr. Leslie Saxon. And the whole project was around a rideshare program that we did for older medical 
medical uh, hospital patients to do their follow-up doctor appointments, but we also offered free social activity rides using Lyft as our rideshare partner, wherever they wanted to go, whatever they wanted to do, whether it be friends or grandkids or, you know, whatever it was. And it was a really wonderful study. So many great results came out of it. You know, uh, certainly a lessening of depression, an increase in social activity, which we know now loneliness, one in two American adults are lonely, according to the U.S. Surgeon General. So this helps overcome that. Having that access to those free rides was really big. But one of the things that we found that I found really interesting is obviously you use an app for Lyft. We also had a landline phone because we knew some of the people in the study were going to be in their 80s. And we even had five people who were in their 90s. And we wanted them to feel comfortable, you know, connecting with the, you know, calling up the rides. So we had a landline uh, number dedicated to that. And you know what? 80 and 90 year olds were like, you know, I want to learn how to use this app. So we did training sessions with everybody and they got really into it. They had fun during the training sessions and then they'd call us when they hit a roadblock and couldn't figure something out. But what was really great is, and I think for everybody out there listening, it isn't age that is the block. It is just the, the knowledge base of being a digital native, which is what all of our Gen Z and most of our millennials and, and, you know, others are those of us who are, you know, um, Gen X and boomers like me, we've adopted it. And certainly older adults are adopting it as well, but they need training. They just need to get past that hump of automatically understanding how this all works and really guiding them through it. So that was a great lesson, I think, for me and for everybody is don't be shy of helping your loved ones get classes or the training or whatever they need. And we all know that there's customer service out there and a lot of companies like Best Buy are doing better work, hiring people that really understand older adults or their customer service you know, through Geek Squad or the calls or whatever. But, you know, a lot of times we hesitate to make those calls. We think either we're going to have to wait too long or we feel silly, maybe asking the question, it should be simple, I should know this. So the classes are really fun because not only do the classes teach you how to use the technology, but it's also social and you're with your peers. So here's a couple of things I wanted to let you know that we're seeing trending in, in regards to that. There's a lot of senior living communities now, and they can be active, you know, uh, living communities where people are over the age of 55. They can also be assisted living uh, where people, uh, you know, do need a little bit more help with daily living. But all of these places are bringing in tech experts to do tech labs or tech workshops where the residents can say, yeah, I just got, a, you know, an Apple Watch or a smartphone or an Amazon Echo or Google Nest Audio or whatever it is. I just got this and I don't really know how to use it. And so these classes help them set those things up. They'll do it on different products sometimes, or they'll just take questions from everybody and everybody gets to learn and listen. And maybe they don't have it yet, but they're, they're going to get it after they learn about this. So it's a really great you know, helping people get past that initial hurdle who may be hesitant about technology because, you know, it's just a little intimidating, right? If we don't automatically know how to use it. Certainly, I think the other thing you can tap into are the grandkids because they are, the first of all, the intergenerational 
connections are fantastic. It's good for both the grandkids and the grandparents. As we talked about in the past, it gives grandparents a sense of, you know, connection and relevancy. It gives grandkids a sense of, hey, I can teach somebody, you know, some things. And I can, I can also learn some stories, you know, from my grandparents or whatever. So that's, that's also a, a very great way for families to do it. But if not, and your loved one isn't in these senior living committees offering these classes, there's still a way to do it if your loved one is at home. And that is through some of these online platforms. And one of the best that I really love is Get Set Up. And in fact, Lawrence Kosick, who is the co-founder of Get Set Up, was actually on our podcast. And I'm just going to check. It was season two, episode 15. So we're going to have um, that note on our episode guide page. But you may want to check out that interview where Larry really gets into, or Lawrence really gets into a lot of the details of, of Get Set Up and the classes and all of that and the social health aspect of, you know, joining these online classes. There's also the OATS, which is a nonprofit group that's always done tech classes. They've now partnered with ARP. So ARP is offering a lot of classes. They're actually offering classes to teach you tech, but then they're also offering some quote unquote, kind of like a streaming service and they're either through Zoom. And they did actually say that their number one Zoom class right now is the, I think it's the stretching class. I'll find that for you. But anyway, so they do some fitness and other classes and things like that. And then there are certainly some other companies out there doing similar things. But the teaching piece of this, I really love Get Set Up. They do a fantastic job. They're also working with a lot of area agencies on aging and state, you know, offices on aging to help get people in the community, you know, educated around TAC, older people in the community. But you can also subscribe to them personally. And and there's all kinds of classes, by the way. It's not just technology. You can learn about cooking. You can learn about bird watching. You can learn about learning a new language or, or a musical instrument or whatever it is. It's just a, they've got tons and tons of classes, which is really great. So I just wanted to do a shout out to them. I also wanted to quickly, because we're talking about well-home design news, I want to talk about our five senses. So as you know, if you've read my book, Me Time Monday, the book's theme is really about neuroscience, how our brains work and nature, and how bringing those two things together gives us better balance and more joy in life. And that's kind of woven throughout the book. And I look at all these different elements of life. The other piece of this, though, with brain health, really understanding how that works is to understand the five senses or what we call multisensory experiences. So, of course, we know, you know, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch. Those are our five senses. How do we, you know, tap into those five senses in ways that make our ancient brain, which I talk about in the book, which is really the brain that we had two to three million years ago out on the African savanna, but we're still living with that brain and there's comfort sources and soothing activities associated with those five senses that are grounded in some nature elements. So I just wanted to share with you some ideas because it is holiday time. So, you know, a couple of things. And, and also, by the way, the other thing in the book that's really big is I have a whole chapter called the four hormones against the apocalypse. So, you know, you know, the famous story, which is about the four hormones or four horsemen apocalypse. I bring all the bad stuff. No, no, no. The four hormones against the apocalypse are the feel good hormones that you want to understand. How do those work? How do they connect with my brain? And how do I use them so I can boost my mood or I can relieve pain or I can feel love and trust and bonding or I can get 
dopamine hit of reward in different things. So it's oxytocin for love, trust, and bonding, serotonin, which is our mood booster, um, endorphins, which is our pain reliever, our natural morphine, if you will, and then dopamine, which is our reward center. But it's also dopamine is connected with how we learn. So I wanted to share some stuff with you. Okay, let's talk about sound. During the holidays, there's lots of wonderful music. And, you know, music actually elicits oxytocin for bonding. Also, we laugh a lot, or we should be laughing during the holidays. And laughter boosts your endorphins for pain relief. It can also boost your oxytocin because you're usually laughing with others. So it's giving you that bonding connection. And these are ancient activities, by the way. You know, music is... Again, that was a, a, a all woven throughout our history as humans, and laughing was a sense of bonding. So, you know, think about those things when it comes to sound. Now, when it comes to sights, candles and lights bound during the holidays, which is wonderful because, again, don't you feel a little boost when you see the lights out or you see the candles or, you know, whatever it is? Well, this again goes back to that ancient brain of being out on the savannah and seeing fire, which was warmth, which was security and comforting. So that's all working for us. And what that is doing is that is actually boosting our serotonin, which is our mood boosting hormone. The smells, okay, wonderful smells, right? Whether it's yeah, smelling the turkey and the stuffing and everything else. We just had Thanksgiving, so that's all I can think about. But, you know, all the wonderful smells of cooking, if it's in your house or a loved one's house, even just in your own house, if you're not the host or hostess, you still want to evoke some of these smells. So a couple of scents of the season that I really love. First of all, there is fresh pine scent, right? That's associated with this season. That's a, a calming, that's a stress reliever. That scent evokes a sense of calm in our brains. And, and a lot of it is connected to what I write about in the book about forest bathing and being in the forest. So the pine scents are really great. The other one that I really love is clove which actually helps with anxiety. So a lot of people do feel, you know, a little anxious during the holidays. Think about cloves and there's wonderful different ways, whether it's a candle, a diffuser, you can even get these seasonings, you know, where you put them in a pot and boil them on the stove and it smells up kind of the whole house full of cloves, really lovely. So think about that. Um, touch. Okay, so we talked about warm fire. We talked about soft sweaters again. Shout out to my Joy sweater I'm wearing, if you're watching me on YouTube, from Wooden Ships. Lovely. Love these sweaters a lot. Uh, Wooden Ships, hope you're listening. <laughs> and But anyway, so, you know, soft sweaters and then lots of hugs, right? That's our touch. That's our, again, it's an oxytocin. It's a bonding. And in fact, eight hugs a day boosts your brain health to the point where it becomes neuroprotective. So think about hugs during the holidays. We don't probably do as much hugging outside of the holidays, but let's make the holidays last all year long. So don't forget those hugs. And then taste, of course, savor the season. You know, we are, you know, eating socially helps our digestion. Uh, I did a great podcast interview with one of my favorite interviews of all was Charles Spence from the University of Oxford. Check that out. I'll have, I don't, it was season two and I think it was during November of uh, last year, but I'll have that on the episode guide page link because he talks about how to use music with dining to enhance the savoriness or saltiness of meal or enhance the sugar when you've actually reduced those things because of diabetes or because of hypertension. 
he talks about how you can bring that back by using music to trick the brain into thinking that the foods are saltier, sweeter, whatever. Wonderful, wonderful episode, by the way. You really want to listen to that. And then just be mindful of your older loved ones during the holidays. You know, again, we're probably getting together and and gathering. Sometimes families are big, sometimes they're small. But if you have a lot of noise and it's really loud, if you have music and footballs on the television and people are talking loud and laughing, it can actually be a little unsettling and distracting to someone who's older. So let's be mindful of our older loved ones. Let's maybe have a place in the home that's a little quieter where they don't feel disconnected per se, but they can go and maybe have a conversation with just one person or sit by a fire and just listen to the music um, and not hear as much as some of the other sounds or whatever. You re- really want to think about that as well if you have a loved one with dementia, because again, they can be very thrown off by, you know, the loud sounds can be very dis- disconcerting and create agitation. So you want to be a little bit careful about big crowds. You also want to have maybe some comfort sources. So maybe there's older ornaments or photos from the past, and you want to have those around so that they can connect with those and bring back some of those lovely memories of of holidays past. So those are just some insights into Will Home Design. As I mentioned, don't miss our third annual holiday gift guide because we've got a whole slew of of products for Will Home Design, which really fit into, you know, environmental wellness and some of the other pieces of wellness that I talk about, the elements of wellness in my book. So you don't want to miss that. And with that, we're going to go into our Me Time Monday wellness hack. As I mentioned, one of the last chapters in my book was called Life is Wonderful. And it was based on the wonderful classic Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, my favorite, favorite movie for the holidays. Jimmy Stewart is George Bailey. And so our Me Time Monday wellness hack are the seven life lessons that George Bailey teaches us about joy. Welcome to our Me Time Monday Wellness Hack. For this holiday episode, we offer seven lessons for caregivers from the traditional holiday classic movie, It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey shows us how to find balance and joy in life. Lesson number one, lead a purposeful life. When we have purpose in life, we have less time to think about the things we don't have. Purpose gives us focus and fulfillment. For George Bailey, his purpose was keeping Bailey Brothers Building and Loan afloat after his father died. But it wasn't just the business for George. It's what the business did, which was give people a dignified life in homes they could call their own. For family caregivers, your purpose may be in giving the loved one you care for dignity in their twilight years and reminding them it has been and it is a wonderful life. This gift of dignity and caring anchors us in something beyond our personal needs. It is what the psychologist Abraham Maslow called self-transcendence, which is the highest peak in life achievement. Lesson number two, a simple life can be a happier life. Sometimes we make things more complicated than we have to. Trying to do too much or be too much doesn't bring happiness. It only brings stress. People who are optimists, where the glass is half full instead of half empty, live longer and are happier. And people who prune toxic relationships or declutter their lives to focus on the simple, important things are happier. Living in a community where we feel welcome can be comforting to caregivers. It helps to have a supportive environment at home, at work, and in your hometown. After all, none of us want to live in Pottersville 
most of us want to live in Bedford Falls. Having this kind of haven helps caregivers to not sweat the small stuff. Lesson number three, character, not cash, counts. Remember that scene where Mr. Potter tries to tempt George Bailey to sell his family business and come work for Potter for unbelievable riches and a high-end lifestyle? In the end, George valued his character over the cash. Character is something that is often overlooked these days. We are so worried about how people perceive us that we don't always listen to that internal voice that makes us do the right thing. Social media has helped to exacerbate exacerbate this need to be admired by others, which often leaves us feeling depressed. Or we feel guilted into doing something that hurts our own health and wellness needs. But it is how we see ourselves which counts the most. For caregivers, making choices that align with your values, your abilities, and your availability are key. Sometimes saying no is not a bad thing. Take a tip from George Bailey. Don't sell out your character and your own needs, no matter how tempting. Lesson number four, everyone needs at least one confidant in life. Harvard University has conducted the longest running study of why certain people live longer and healthier and happier than others. Amazingly, it is not nutrition or more exercise or how much money you make. After 85 years of research, Harvard scientists have been able to identify the secret to longevity and it is this. Having quality relationships and at least one confidant who always has your back. For George, it took the angel Clarence to show him who his confidant was throughout his life, his wife, Mary. She loved him for richer or poorer and always backed his play no matter how dark some days seemed. Your confidant may be your spouse or partner, or it may be a lifelong friend, a sibling, or an adult child. It doesn't matter who it is. It just matters that no matter what problems you face, you have someone you can turn to for strength and support. Lesson number five, reflect on how your life has meaning. The big theme of It's a Wonderful Life is that one life touches and influences so many others. The angel Clarence helps George in the depths of his depression and hopelessness to see how the little things he did, like rescuing his kid brother from the frozen pond, understanding how the druggist Mr. Gower's grief could have meant a fatal mistake, staying behind to keep his family business together even though he sacrificed his dreams for adventure, made big differences in many people's lives. Positivity psychologist Martin Seligman said, we have three phases of life we can choose from, pleasant life, good or engaging life, and a meaningful life. The meaningful life is the one caregivers are leading, where you use your virtues and abilities to help others. That in turn helps you live longer. But just like George Bailey, caregivers can overlook their own small contributions that have big impact. Family caregivers need to know that the care they provide has larger meaning. It has personal meaning for many in that we are honoring the love a parent or grandparent gave us. It has meaning for the person receiving the care to know that they are loved and not alone. And it has meaning and monetary value to society, a whopping $600 billion in the value of the unpaid care. That is more than the revenue of the top retailer, Walmart. Like George, what you do as a caregiver counts for more than you know. Lesson number six, life sacrifices can be life's rewards. 
Nothing delights George more than to find Zuzu's petals in his pants pocket when he had feared the life he thought was worthless was lost to him. Zuzu and her petals became his touchstone to a wonderful life he couldn't wait to get back to. It is also a touchstone to nature, showing us that small wonders of nature can be healing. Like George, caregivers make a lot of sacrifices in order to care for their loved ones. But in this sacrifice of providing love and care, there are many rewards. Caregiving does have silver linings. Maybe it is the conversations we take the time to have that we were too busy to have before. Maybe it is building our empathy and compassion for those more vulnerable than ourselves. Or maybe it is realizing who you are through an experience you did not expect or plan. Caregiving can seem like a sacrifice, but in the end, it can also bring rewards. And lesson number seven, no one is a failure who has friends. It's a Wonderful Life shows us that life can be imperfect and sometimes that can be wonderful. In the end, George Bailey realized he was the richest man in town, but it wasn't about how much money he made, it was about his social convoy, the circle of family and friends that he could count on when times got tough. Relationships are what matters and what makes us rich in life. I hope you enjoyed this Me Time Monday wellness hack. Each episode of our Caregiving Club on-air podcast features a new Me Time Monday wellness hack. You can find these and more in my new book, Me Time Monday, the weekly wellness plan to find balance and joy for a busy life, or visit metimemonday.com or caregivingclub.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Caregiving Club on Air. Please hit the subscribe button to listen to us on our newest channels, Amazon Music, SiriusXM, iHeartRadio, Pandora, as well as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts and other listening channels. Check out all the resources and article links on our episode guide page at caregivingclub.com. Just hit the podcast tab at the top and email us with comments and questions at podcast at caregivingclub.com. Thank you again for listening. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Take care and stay well.